Welcome to the 420 edition. You know what time it is, WindDailySports.com. We had a great Tuesday night. The Mets won two games in one day, so you know I'm happy. Adam, how was your Tuesday night, and what are you looking forward to on Wednesday? We have two slates on DraftKings and FanDuel, one early, one late. Yeah, I mean, Tuesday's been pretty good so far. Still uh, still waiting on a couple bets to, to make it a good night for sure. Uh, Corey Seager, I need you to hit at least one more single, my guy. And uh, after that, I'll be pretty much set. But then tomorrow, I think one of the most interesting things is to see what does Mackenzie Gore do in his second start? Because I think there were some encouraging things in the first one. There are some things that, you know, would lead him into trouble if he continues to do. And then uh, see how he fares against the Reds this time out. Because it should be a little bit of an easier matchup than the Atlanta Braves offense in your first major league start. 100%, man. You called out the Gore the first time around. I called out Chris Archer on Tuesday night. He just got there, almost had a kind of great night at his price tag on DraftKings. I said it was a GPP-only play. He got there for around 11, 12 points at his price tag. It paid off, and we paired him up with Corbin Burns. I locked in Burns, told everybody on Monday night, just go Burns. Don't try to get cute. Now, do we have the same confidence in our ace of the slate, early slate, Woodruff has been kind of not so great, but this is a dream matchup here against Pittsburgh at home. Thoughts on Woodruff as your early slate, ace of the slate? Yeah, we we do not have the same level of confidence. Um, There's just really no way around. Woodruff has been bad early on this year. Now, you know, when you you break open the metrics, he only has four strikeouts, and something like that is terrifying for me. He's only made it through eight and a third innings. The XFIP is just about six. I, I mean, everything looks poor for him right now. It, it's really kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what's going on because, like, it's not like the velocity is down. His pitch mix looks similar to last year. It's really, really tough to pin down what's going on. So I'm kind of just kind of, you know, going to go full steam ahead here and play a lot of Woodruff and hope the Pirates kind of solve some of his woes. You know, it's not a very good offense. He's been bad against lefties so far this year. That scares me. But it's still a, you know, a bad lefty-heavy offense in the Pirates. Yeah, it's an early slate. There's not too many games to decide from. I think he's the safest play. Vegas has it at minus 240 that the Brewers are going to win. Over-under is eight. So you have one of the lowest game totals, which I like to see. You got him at minus 240 to win. Look, he's priced up, and you don't have to play him. He's not a must-play by any means because he's been ice cold. But an early slate with a course field game, even though both these offenses kind of suck, like the Phillies are terrible. They're scoring a little bit, you know, tonight, but they're not so good, man. They're really not good. Marquez and Eflin, two decent pitchers here. So I'm most likely going to go Woodruff in the early slate. Now talk about your boy Gore, man. Tell me what we need to see from Gore to go out there and hit value on a Wednesday afternoon? What we need to see is more off speed, whether he feels more comfortable with his curve, whether he wants to throw the slider, you know, the, the, the highlight package that I sent you the night before his first start, the big thing was the slider. Like it's wipeout when it's on, it's, it's terrifying to try and hit. He only threw seven of them in that first start. He threw that fastball over 72% of the time. Like, it sits at 95. It's a good fastball, but, man, 
95 miles an hour, 72% of the time is not going to get it done in the major leagues. He's got to, he's got to move towards some different stuff. And when you look like he only generated a swing strike rate of 6.8%, like that's not anything great. And the XFIP was 4.38. He kept the ball on the ground 46.7% of the time. Like that's useful. Cincinnati's terrible against lefties so far, 26th or worse, and OPS, Woba, WRC+. They're striking out 27% of the time. This is a far easier matchup based on the, the stats that we have so far this season. Man, he's he's got to start breaking something else out here. I'll tell you this, man. If Gorkin last five innings and the Padres put a W on the board for him, I think he hits value. Without the win... Yeah. You know, it's going to be a little bit tougher there. He's a minus 190 favorite, over under eight and a half here. Pretty good spot for value. Now, one thing I do want to mention, we skipped over a guy named Shane Bieber. Is it because the offense that he's going against? Is it because of the price tag on DraftKings? Would you play him on FanDuel in a you know, one-pitcher slate? Where are you at with Shane Bieber here? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's some of what you mentioned, and it's some of just he hasn't quite come back. It's not only that, but he hasn't quite come back to himself yet. He is coming off the arm injury. Now he's almost $11,000, and it's kind of hard to understand why. Like, his, his velocity is down across the board. The whiff rate's down on all of his pitches. Like, he's not a bad pitcher by what he's put out this season, but he's not been going to be worth $11,000 if he pitches the exact same way. And it's kind of a bummer because, like, this is a really good time to hit the White Sox because they really haven't gotten going against writing pitching. Like, they're in the bottom three in OPS on base. They're only walking 5.6% of the time. But with Bieber, like, he hasn't been below 30% for a strikeout rate since his rookie season in 2018. It's only been 24.3%. And seeing a velocity drop off an arm issue, it's not, it's not the greatest thing to see at this point in the season. Yeah, so let's turn it over to the stacks that we like in this early slate. I've been playing Milwaukee for the past two days. It's paid off the past two days. Yelich got me to cash, you know, on on Monday. And then it was Telez, Wong, and the rest of the crew um, who got me there on Tuesday. They get a nice little matchup here against Pittsburgh at home again. Mitch Keller has been... Pretty awful here, so I think that's the best way to go. That's the gas can. That's the stack that I'm going to be going with. And to pair them up, I think I'm going to lean with the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers have the best lineup going right now. I'm sick of playing Phillies. I'm not going to be targeting the Rockies either. I think that game is going to be a tough fade, and hopefully the one time I don't stack them this week, they go out there and disappoint again. I think the Dodgers, Morton's been a little bit shaky, good offense. Dodgers or Padres are probably going to go with my secondary stacks. And we haven't mentioned, similar to, you know, overlooking Shane Bieber, kind of overlooking the fact that Dallas Keuchel is on this slate and I'm not stacking the Indians. Is that a mistake or are you kind of in agreement here with these Indians? Uh, I was going to say maybe you're overlooking them a little bit, but that would be <laughs> – the Brewers and the, the Guardians are kind of like the first two stacks in mind. Um, you know, Keuchel pitched well by his standards, ha- had a decent start his first turn. Good for him. I- I'm not buying it yet. He's been dreadful for way too long to just say, oh, well, he had one decent start, so maybe we shouldn't attack him. 
and it was Seattle. Um, you know, Seattle has some of their own offensive issues. When the Guardians haven't been getting rained out because it feels like they've gotten quite a few already this season. I, I mean, just look up and down this lineup, man. Like, Framo Reyes still isn't even hitting yet, and this is a dangerous lineup. You got Jose Ramirez, uh, you know, Miles Straw is hitting well. We called this the other day when they when they played lefty pitching. Mercado, Owen Miller, these guys can put a hurt on Keiko in a hurry. And realistically, outside of Ramirez, nobody's expensive at all. Yeah, looking at Cleveland, I will have a stack or two of Cleveland. I was kind of reaching for the Dodgers or, you know, going with San Diego because, you know, Machado's been on fire. Um, yeah. He's actually not going to face a lefty here. But I do think Cleveland's going to be probably the most popular stack. You see Keiko, it's kind of like it just triggers your brain, auto stack, auto stack. Um, but it's Keiko. You know, he's been crafty enough to stay in this league for so long that he gets out. So it worries me a little bit, um, you know, due to ownership. Do I want to go there? I probably will have a couple shares before we lock on Wednesday afternoon. But let's move to the main slate here. Looking at the pitching, it looks like to me both aces come from the same game, and it becomes a little bit more difficult. Do we want to stack our pitches on DraftKings and pay up for both the guys? Do you want to choose one or the other? Look, the Mets swept the doubleheader. Scherzer had a no-hitter through six, I believe. And now we get to see Rodon against Bassett. Obviously, I lean Rodon here. He's just been a stud this year. And he's got the pedigree here. Bassett, you know, pitched great, though, too. So how do you decipher between those two aces? And is there anybody else on the slate that's creeping up that you think would be a good pairing with Rodone or Bassett? I do lean Rodone. Um, it's just because I think he has generally what is the higher strikeout upside. Um, sure. When you look, you know, his, his velocities up, which – is pretty impressive considering there were some major shoulder concerns. I mean, he probably would have been right in the the voting for Cy Young, potentially even won it last year with Garrett Cole kind of falling apart. You know, Robbie Ray, not that he wasn't a deserving winner, but it was sort of by default in those last couple weeks. De facto winner. Yeah, Cole Cole kind of imploded towards the end and is still struggling to figure things out with another really bad start tonight. So I don't necessarily think you go wrong with either one. I feel more comfortable with Rodone. And I think at least right now, maybe the field just kind of turns to Jose Barrios because he's 7,300. And it's just like, you know, in the back of your mind, somebody with Barrios' talent level shouldn't be 7,300. But I'm kind of looking at Merrill Kelly. And that's scary every single time out. But man, like he's really, he's really pitched well his first couple starts. And his pitch mix has changed. And, like, when we get into this early part of the season, we start to see trends emerging. We have to try and figure out quickly, is this just the first two starts? Is this something, you know, maybe a bit more realistic? And he's throwing his change up more. And even last year, that was the best pitch as far as the whiff rate goes. And his velocity is up on the change and the four seam by almost two miles an hour. Do I think Merrill Kelly's, like, anything special? No, but he's still only 8K. And that really makes sense as an SP2 against the Washington offense that, you know, outside of Juan Soto, like there's not exactly a lot of scary bats there. Listen, I'll kind of lay it out to you perfectly. My my four favorite pitchers come from two of the same games. It's Bassett and Rodon. I'll give Rodon the slight lean, even though the Mets have been hitting 
slightly better over the course of the season than, you know, San Fran has been hitting. Even though San Fran's been pitching well and hitting well and winning ball games, the Mets just a slight bit above them. Now, from a pitching standpoint, I'm not touching Barrios. I think he can get blown up again. If the weather's cold on the East Coast, maybe. You know, I'd rather lose not playing Barrios than lose playing Barrios at this point in time. I, I would prefer <laughs> to take either Kelly or even Eric Fetty. Both those guys have been impressive, and they're going against each other, and both those offices suck. Like, they're terrible. Washington, yeah. terrible. Arizona, terrible. You saw what happened on Tuesday. You see what happened all year long. Like, before the pricing adjusts for these terrible offenses, keep on attacking them. Attack Washington, yep. Arizona, and Pittsburgh. Like, those are the three teams. Anytime I see them on the slate, I'm like, okay, who's pitching on them? Then you get a – Fetty's been consistently good. Not just for this year. He's been consistently good last year, too, man. He's not going to go out there – and blow the doors off, but give me 15 to 20 this this year from a pitcher on DraftKings, and I'll move forward. I'll try to win with my stacks and my bats. So I think Fetty and Kelly, I'll have equal shares of both. I think Kelly has more K upside here. Like you said, just get rid of Soto. He has more K upside. I lean him. He's cheaper. He's been amazing, and he, he showed some talent last year as well. So I love those guys. Don't love them, but I like those guys more than anybody else in the value department. You know, outside of those two guys, I was going to ask you about Barrios, but I'll tell you what, man, I got him more on the gas can side than the ace slide and more on the, I don't even want to, I don't want to touch him, man. And I really like Barrios. I really liked him a lot. If I did a lot of season longs this year, I probably would roster him and I probably would have paid up for him. Assuming he's on the Blue Jays, tons of wins. He's a stud pitcher. But until he proves that he can pitch in 2022, I'm not going to roster this dude against a good lineup in Boston. I know they're kind of quiet. I actually don't mind Toronto, Boston for, you know, some late states, slate, slate stacking. But I'm probably going to lean with two weak offenses and look at Minnesota and Kansas City. Is that where you're going with your late stacks or do you have another team that you're targeting? I definitely don't mind those stacks whatsoever. Um, man, until Daniel Lynch proves that he's a major league pitcher, it's kind of another one. Like, it's just automatic. I want to attack. And it's a lot of the same guys that, you know, we've come to know against lefty pitching uh, for the Minnesota Twins. It's, it's Gary Sanchez. It's Carlos Correa, who's over there now. Miguel Sano got a day off today. He'll probably play tomorrow. Listen, you kind of know what you're getting with Sano. It's, I was going to ask you. Let me, let me, let me ask you. <laughs> I'm going to stop you right there, man. The dude is hitting under a hundred. He's his average is point six seven. He is terrible. The only day he did good, he somehow got a home run and a steal in the same game, which I would have bet a million dollars against him ever stealing a base, getting on base, and doing all that. Do you roster him? Because he's most likely going to strike out four times, even to Daniel Lynch. Is he the guy in the stack? Because I was looking at Sanchez, super cheap. I love Urshela. He's actually going to be my favorite value of the entire slate. Slide up a Reese. Do you just have to de facto play Sano, or do you, do you play a twin stack against a lefty without Sano? I mean, you can certainly play it without Sano. Like, he's GPP only. You know exactly what you're getting because he's either going to, you know, home run and double or he's going to wear the golden sombrero and strike out four times. 
So by no means is he a cash play, anything like that. But, you know, against a bad lefty, it's kind of hard to not look at it and say, well, 2600 man, all it takes is one swing of the bat and he pays off. And, you know, I can pay up in all these other spots now, too. I really don't don't necessarily mind him. Here's my suggestion. Make him a make a Minnesota stack with him without Sano because 100%. there's probably equal probability he goes 0 for five with four yes. Ks, and there's an equal probability he can he can hit two home runs too. He just all all or nothing with this dude, man. I don't know what's wrong him. Not too long ago, he actually was a professional hitter, and now he's just like a softball player out there. That's like really he's playing home run derby while people are throwing 95. Like he's just he's not touching balls. It's crazy. Yeah. The KC side. Paddock, another guy that I once liked, you know, that rookie year in San Diego. I thought he was going to be the next big arm. Is he fixed at all, or is he still broken? And does Kansas City have enough firepower to to really do damage against, you know, Paddock? Yeah, I mean, Kansas City, you know, can be kind of a hit-and-miss offense um, just based on, like, who they're playing. You know, Alberto Mondesi, again, kind of in that snow category. Like, you know what you're going to get. There's a lot of a lot of empty spots with him, but you know when he gets on base two three times and he steals a base or two, he hits two doubles. Like he really pays off. He's never super cheap because of that stolen base upside. But Bobby Witt still twenty seven hundred. Uh, Sal Perez double dong tonight fifty five hundred. You know catcher it can be a little bit tough to pay up, but it's not impossible. You know if you're using your shallow from the Minnesota side of things, that's a spot you pay down at. You use Bobby Witt at third base. That's the spot you pay down at to kind of, you know, get back to Sal Perez. Whit Merrifield is just, you know, another kind of professional hitter. Um, hasn't hasn't really started out too well, but I don't think Whit Merrifield's going to hit a buck fifty for too long. Yeah, last last game I want to talk about Bo- Boston versus Toronto. Man, you got Barrios and you got Pavetta over under nine and a half currently. Both these pitchers really struggled here. Um, if you got to vote one side or the other, do you like a Toronto stack or a Boston stack? Or tell me it's pretty even down the middle. I do think they can go out there and, and prove to be the best game stack, possibly the game, best you know single stack can come out of this game. How do you see this game playing out with over under nine and a half? Barrios currently favored, minus 135 when this game has an opening pitch 7-10 at Fenway. Yeah, for me, it's it's definitely the Toronto side of things that I would favor. And I know their lineup's a little bit weaker now. There's no Tay Oscar. There's no Danny Jansen, who at least for the first couple games was swinging a white-hot bat. Don't so the sleep lineup, on this boy. Don't sleep on Collins, man. Another home run, man. This guy's no, he's, That's exactly right. I mean, 2800 you know, again, if you're not going to pay up a catcher, you always want those cheap guys that can do well. And Zach Collins is hitting, you know, in the Blue Jays lineup, whether it's the back end of things or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, this is still a difficult lineup. It's just shortened by a little bit. You still have Vlad. You still have Springer, Bichette. Um, you know, you have Gurriel, Chapman. You still have guys to worry about. And at the end of the day, even though I'm like a card-carrying member of I never play Barrios and DFS, he's still a better pitcher than Nick Pavetta at this point of their careers. Like, there, there's still a much better chance Barrios goes out and shoves for six innings than there is for Pavetta. Yeah, I get it. It makes a lot of sense. I think this game could be – I'm not saying it's going to be super sneaky because these are two good offenses, but 
I can see people going the other way here and potentially ownership being split up. You know, we didn't talk about Texas and Seattle. That game can get a little bit of ownership depending on whether um, in Chicago you might get some possible ownership between the Rays and the Cubs. I don't think anybody's going to be stacking the Mets or San Francisco with two aces going there. Um, I'm going to move forward to, I kind of hinted at it, but I just want to hit on it again. If you need value on this slate, and say you did want to go with both aces, you go Rondon and Bassett. You got an average remaining player of 3.775 as far as your bats go. You can get Gary Sanchez. I'll throw Snow in there, even though I don't want to click his name. <laughs> I'll throw in Urshela and Correa. And then let, let's just uh, let's throw in a Reese too. You can throw in Rodon, Bassett, and pretty much get, I would say, the best five bats on Minnesota. Sanchez, Sano, actually not the best five, but the best potential bats because Snow really does suck. I just want to keep saying that. Ariz, <laughs> Urshela, and Correa. And guess how much money you have left there. For have You good... can fill out your outfield now. What do you think <laughs> the average remaining player, putting in Rodon and Bassett, which are two of the most expensive pitchers? Probably about over 4800 your math is pretty damn good. 4966. So that means you can probably get any outfield combination you want. Uh, you can get Springer. You can get Merrifield. And look, I'm not going to do the math. You can get pretty much anybody you want if you yeah. go with that starting five for Minnesota, which technically you're getting probably one of the best teams that line up against one of the worst pitchers with potentially the two best pitchers on the slate. Now, if you go even wilder and go, say, Rondon and either Fetty or let's go Kelly with that starting lineup of those five Minnesota guys, your average is 5,500. So now you can literally get anybody you want and you're straight. Like there's not even – there's barely that many players in the outfield over 5,500. You can mix and match. Say you want to take Snow out because he sucks. I get it. You can go with a four-man Minnesota stack and and get a real hitter at first base. Maybe a Vlad Guerrero. He's kind of good. You can maybe get it's not that many. You know, Swindell's been on fire. Troy's been hitting pretty good too. So there's a lot of different options you go. But I like that Minnesota stack a lot because it's cheap. Makes sense. You got some power. You got some stolen base upside. So no steals bases nowadays. I don't know when that happened, but he does do that. Um, Just remember not, last. The last time you talk smack on a player is Marco Gonzalez. So, yeah, I, so Sano, I, may, I may have to bet Sano for a home run tomorrow at this point. <laughs> do the pro, do the parlay home run with a stolen base. It's probably like plus 10,000 with three strikeouts. Like, go over on the strikeouts, over on the stolen bases, over on the home runs. Probably you, pays off. You did something wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, bets, though, if you're talking about bets, my favorite bet on the day it's not on the main slate. It's not on the early slate. It's on one of these dumb turbo slates that I don't play. I don't know if you play Madam or not. But I like the Angels first five. I like the Angels for the game. They've surprised me a bit as far as their lineup. They're starting to hit. What's also surprised me is Otani hasn't been good at pitching this year. It's early. I'm sure he'll figure things out. Super talented guy. He's going against Odorizzi. And the line is only minus 130 for the game right now. 
So give me the Angels first five, my favorite bet of the day right now, and give me the Angels to win the game, minus 130. It worked on Tuesday. I said bet the Cardinals first five. They cruised. Better for the game as well. Cruise. So let's go with two wins in a row. Any bets that you got so far, anything that you're looking at on a Wednesday slate? The line isn't up yet, but I know one that I'm going to be looking at is the McKenzie Gore strikeouts because I just don't think a player with his slider in the holster is going to throw it so little uh, once again. I, I just I just don't see it. And then I'm kind of eyeing up the over on the uh, Blue Jays-Red Sox game because the over is plus 100 right now, and it just needs to get to 10 between the two teams. Yeah, I was looking at that too. Nine and a half was like, oh, I want to do it, but I didn't I didn't pull the trigger yet. It was interested. I do like them for a stack, so it makes a lot of sense. You gotta hop in our expert chat. Adam gives his cores every single day on Discord. So if you're not in there, make sure you do it. Like and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on Twitter, Win Daily Sports. Ton of content up there as well. And then also go to windailysports.com. Adam writes an article every day. We have a stack article every day. We have a prop article pretty much every day. NBA playoff coverage. PGA is not too far away. Teeing off Thursday. We have content up there for that as well. NASCAR around the corner. we got a new UFC show coming to our YouTube channel as well. So make sure you check it all out. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter. And make sure you check us out at windailysports.com. If you want a free week to check out our lineup optimizer, projection model, all the premium features. Just use promo code radio gets you a free week of there as well. We will be back tomorrow. It won't be me. It won't be Adam, but we got some special guests coming on. So definitely lock in with us tomorrow. Have a great 420. Adam, enjoy yourself, man. It's a holiday. If you need to take a break from some writing, man, you know what to do. I'll be enjoying myself as well. So everybody have a good night and we are out of here.